Hello and welcome back to Equity, TechCrunch's venture capital-focused podcast where we unpack the numbers behind the headlines. Today we are live here on a Twitter space to talk about all things YC Demo Day Summer 21 Batch Day 1. Which means that Natasha and I just spent, gosh, what, four or five hours, I think? Yeah. Listening to several hundred startup pitches. It was a lot. But Natasha, please say hello to the people and uh, tell them how you're feeling. Hi, hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I already see some of my favorites in the Twitter spaces. Yeah, as Alex mentioned, we just spent the past few hours looking through some of the half of the companies, half of the nearly 400 YC companies in this batch which is always fun to compare and contrast my only in-person YC demo day, which was a year and a half ago in, um, I think, like a peer building. And it's so different doing it from the comfort of my living room. But I think I like it. My favorite example of how YC is better in the digital environment than it was in the real person environment is uh, my first ever YC demo day. I it was, it was down in like the computer science museum down in South Bay. Classic. And I, I went and uh, Ryan Lawler was uh, at TC at the time and he didn't like invite me back to the next one. Cause he said, I didn't look like I had any fun because I just <laughs> sat in a corner and like, it's very overwhelming if you're an introvert because they packed everyone into these this one room and like you didn't have space and the Wi-Fi was weird. Anyways, it's better to do online. And we just saw several hundred companies present. Um, Natasha, though, before we get into specifics about companies, give me a barrage of stats. Yes, 100%. So we got the background on this fourth remote demo day. It's their third fully remote batch for YC. And they gave us some background on what YC has accomplished since their last demo day. So that's 16 YC exits. About 40 companies that have gone through YC have been worth more than a billion dollars. And 150 YC companies are worth more than 100 million. In this batch, though, we saw, you know, it's biggest yet. So there was 377 companies presenting. I'm actually not sure if that includes the off the record ones, but it's hundreds. I think the first batch itself was like 12 companies to give you some context. And that was still such a small percentage of the total applications YC got, which was over 15,000. So, Alex, a lot of numbers, a lot of startups and... It just seems to be like a theme of this podcast these days to be overwhelmed. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is why some founders are like, why isn't TC emailing me back? It's because there used to be 12 YC companies. Now there's 377. And it isn't like the TC staff scaled up from, you know, X to Y. We're pretty much the same size we've always been. And so it's very busy. Uh, Natasha, though, can you give us a, a quick rundown of the key diversity metrics from this batch? And I believe you have pulled out how they've changed. So give us uh, the the now and then the before, if you could. Sure, sure. So about 37% of the batch are being defined by YC as underrepresented founders. But getting one step deeper, 12% of founders are women compared to 10% from the previous batch. So slight uptick there. We also saw a slight uptick in the number of Latinx founders. Uh, It was 14% in the previous batch and this batch it's 15%. The number of black founders was 4% this batch, which was down 1% from 5% the previous batch. And I tweeted about this. It's gotten a lot of attention like it does every batch because I think YC has for a long time been branded as the top tier accelerator, but also one that struggles with diversity issues. So Alex, I think I'm, I, I wasn't super surprised to see people want to hold it to a higher standard. I know our hands are tied here, but what were your first thoughts when you looked at these numbers? Uh, unsurprising. It's, uh, it's good to see some progress. It's never good to see stuff going backwards, like in the case of uh, the percentage of black founders. But at the same time, I'll take two out of three as a generally positive bit of movement. But like with most venture capital statistics or startup stats, the progress is slow. 
And it's just, it's not as quick as you would hope. I mean, I've been covering, you know, the percent of capital that goes to female finance startups for, you know, five, seven years now. And often there's incremental progress, but just much more slow than I would prefer. And I'll add, I think this is like a huge opportunity for accelerators trying to take some attention away from YC, not to put pressure on diverse people to be the sole people that help other diverse founders. But if you're mad at these metrics, I 100% think that it's an opportunity to do a accelerator for more diverse entrepreneurs that maybe aren't YC isn't seeing or presenting. Yeah. 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 And one last note about the diversity stuff uh, before we jump into some other observations about industries and so forth. Not surprised to see more Latinx founders, just given the sheer number of startups that are focused on the Latin American market. Yeah. It, it, it's past being a theme or a trend. It's more of a fact now in these companies, in these batches, because there's so many really neat companies taking models that have appeared elsewhere, making them localized and applying them to an enormous digital market. And so there's a lot of stuff that I'm pretty excited about, frankly. But to begin, Natasha, uh, overall impressions about uh, what we saw product-wise. Talk to me. Okay, so I thought there was going to be a lot more crypto. And either I was zoning out at the right times and missed all of the crypto startups, or I didn't see as many as I thought. Obviously, we still have tomorrow ahead of us. So I would love to see more crypto and ed tech show up. Um, Crypto, because it's just a learning experiment for me and ed tech, because that's my soft spot. I did feel a little bit overwhelmed by the amount of companies that were trying to help SMBs digitize operations. It felt like every startup was coming for Stripe in some way. And so I think that seeing that in a one minute pitch didn't necessarily inspire a whole ton of differentiation, but we do know it's still a thing that startups feel like they can approach and tackle. Yeah. I'd also throw in that we saw a lot of companies targeting different markets in Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of people building stuff for, for Vietnam or for India or whatever. Lots of digital markets there and not a surprise given what we've seen from larger venture capital trends in the last, I don't know, six quarters, give or take. Very little discussion of China as a market for either products or founders, which is not a huge surprise given the regulatory crackdown and just, I, I would say, that market becoming increasingly isolated yeah. from the larger internet and startup world. And uh, as a final little little thing, if you're a founder and you're going to go on the YC thing and pitch, which you should do, hell yeah, uh, get a mic. <laughs> they, they cost $100. Like, seriously, it's not, it's not a lot. You know what? I'll send you one. I have an extra one that I use for my gaming PC. I think the technical like, difficulties like warm my heart a little bit. Unfortunate for some. But the people who yeah. forgot to unmute, for example, I was like, this reminds me of in-person demo day. There are trips. There are awkward pauses. There are technical difficulties. And I'm happy things weren't pre-recorded to the point of it being like too polished. Uh, I think yeah. that at least added some exclusivity to it. <laughs> but I totally but agree. <laughs> a blue Yeti costs $100. YC gave you like 150 Gs. Spend 0.01% of your money on sounding great during your pitch because... When the founders came on that did have a solid microphone and a solid internet connection, it just presents better. And I listen more because your audio quality is great. So anyways, small point there, small beef. One last serious impression before we jump into some of the themes we saw. I noticed, Alex, a lot more focus on providing numbers, like actual revenue numbers, MRR and ARR. And I hadn't noticed that in previous batches, but it feels like more startups than not included the amount of money that they made, not just percentages. And I loved that. Slash, is that a new standard we'll see for early stage pre-seed startups? I really wish we kind of tracked that a little bit more closely in earlier years. It did seem to be more frequent, but your YC companies always want to have a chart in the upper right of their slide that shows some number going up dramatically. But we did see, I think, generally more candor. There was a startup, I forget who it was, who said they had 40 weekly active users. So sweet. Which 
I thought was amazing yeah. because you, so you start with zero and you build and it's cool just to tell me where you're at and not to be coy about it. And so that company, I, I want to go find and talk to you because that means I would be talking to them really at the start. And that's what Demo Day is about. It's kind of seeing what's coming up next that could be, you know, the thing that we can't stop talking about in three years. So shall we first start with our, our amazing theme called Going After Google? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. There were the, the first company, I think, that really caught our attention, Alex, was Metaphor. I thought they had a great name. Tell us a little bit about what they are all about. They are taking on Google search. And if you have heard Equity before, you may have heard us talk about Neva. Neva is another company that's working on kind of building a search product. I'm currently trialing it as my main day-to-day search engine. But generally speaking, Metaphor thinks that there's a better way to approach search, better way to ask questions. And to me, that's great because if you think about the, the, the revolutions that Google brought to the world in search tech, they were some time ago. And I would say that it feels kind of like the ad tech folks have been more in charge of Google search than the technologists. And so I would love to see some startups really go out there and poke the giant tech company that's a little bit resting on its laurels. So Metaphor was like the fourth company to present. And I was like, that one, I love it. And so that's, yeah, I was just generally kind of hype about it, but not the only company taking on Google. Not at all. And I, I will add like Metaphor, the thing that it, it can sometimes be cheesy, honestly, to go after Google. It can sometimes be like not the best way to market your company or unnecessarily loop you in with a competitor that people are you know more than confident in, in some ways, but people are really fatigued by search. And I really like how Metaphor on its website, actually, I think everyone should go on it because it lets you walk through how search would look when you think in ideas versus keywords. So it's like, what do people think about the idea of the best digital health startup out there? And then it shows you links that are meant to be created off of that. It's kind of like a philosophical bet in a lot of ways. So I wanted to add that bit of Metaphor because I think that like its website has a great service of explaining fundamental rewrite of how we Google things. And that's a lot to ask from consumers in one minute. Do you know what's not easy to find though? It's website. On search, it's website. Because <laughs> if you if you search for a metaphor search, you don't get what you want. Okay, I found it. Uh, it's metaphor.so. If you want to go take a look at it, I'm pretty excited. I haven't gotten to dig into it more deeply. We just finished writing the posts, but it's one of the companies that I was very excited about. Also, uh, Zensers is kind of doing Google analytics for the physical world. So another kind of Google shout out there. And then is it is it... Uh, merge how do you pronounce queue. that one? I would say it's Merge queue. I was thinking Merge Quakeway, and that's just not correct. So <laughs> that's evidence that I've been online for too long today. Merge queue, which is building out Google engineering productivity software for everybody, a little bit similar to what uh, Siggy and his team are building at uh, another YC company that whose name I can't remember that was in the last batch. There you go. All right. Couldn't tell you. They all kind of merged together in a going after Google segment. But I want to move us forward to a lot of the consumer app companies that were in this batch. One, Alex, I thought this one was so fun. Its name is Janae, G-E-N-E-I. It's either Janae or Jeannie. Jeannie. Okay, let's go with Jeannie because I know a Janae. She's fantastic and she might even be on the Twitter spaces. Um, so, so Jeannie is AI-powered summarization for freelance writers. It wants to make the background reading we all do for our stories, for investigative reporting, for deep research, easier. It wants you to be able to go to a doc, I imagine somewhat similar to like a Grammarly extension and kind of give the TLDR, which I think is so important for freelancers who actually have an incentive to move faster. So much of their income is tied to balancing a bunch of projects, doing fast research in a accurate on-depth way. 
And it was one of those few use cases where robots touching writing didn't make me feel unwell. So I was really excited about Genie. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of writing projects out there in the world right now. I think given the rise of GPT-3 as a thing that people are building off of, we've just seen a lot of people trying to work on extending writing with the kind of like machine intelligence. And frankly, given how much people really kind of hate writing, I'm not surprised. And I bet it's going to be a pretty big business. I mean, Grammarly has proven that people will cough up large amounts of money on loss for that type of service. So more of that's going to come. Uh, another fave was Lumify. This is what they call a super app for nurses. If you're at all familiar with the American healthcare system, you're aware that there is a nurse shortage. This is also a thing in the UK and a number of other markets. And so Lumify is building a super app for nurses to help them find everything from shifts to scrubs. I know we're rattling a lot of names off at you guys, but I think that us, even North Indies companies, not to gas ourselves up, means something since there were hundreds, <laughs> so many at this point. With Lumify, for example, I covered them, and the reason they stood out to me was, Alex, we wrote this piece about Doximity, and it's S1, months ago, and it was trying to be a social network and services platform for doctors. Lumify started as a way to help nurses do nighttime um, checkups on their patients without waking them up. So they had like a little hardware light that oh, they would so use. Cool. Yeah, to make the customer experience better. And they're now branching into this more software-esque play with this really loyal 15,000 person user base of nurses that trust them that have made their customer experience better. So I feel like Doximity is ripe for an upheaval, just like social networks have made so many gains in previous years, digital health social networks should do the same. Amen to that. But I think the idea of a super app itself is very fascinating because we tend to think about super apps in kind of the Asian context, having like, you know, on-demand deliveries and e-commerce and chat kind of all in one thing, banking, whatever. But to build a super app for nursing is going to look very different, but still have the idea of being kind of a one-stop digital shop for those practitioners. And even though there is a nursing shortage, to be clear, there's a lot of nurses. And so it's not like it's a small demographic. There's a lot of TAM as the VCs love to say, to sell into. Speaking of Tam, everyone was going after TikTok and I wasn't surprised <laughs> to see more companies in this world. One stood out to me. I think it's my favorite of the day, partly because of its name. It's called Playhouse. It is trying to make Zillow surfing into an actual app. And so I don't know how often everyone listening is going on TikTok and looking at houses, but that's all over my For You page right now. A dedicated spot that's not as, I guess, sleepy as websites and not as chance happening as TikTok seems like the perfect place to unwind from a long day of listening to Demo Day. Okay, so for people who don't know, Natasha, explain Zillow surfing. Okay, that's super fair to ask me to explain that. So I, I know what it means because I'm in that demographic, but I don't, not everyone is as big of a dweeb as I am, so please. So if you're like me and you live in a 600 square foot two bedroom in San Francisco, you may dream of having a balcony one day. And, and Zillow surfing is just this idea where people like to look online at beautiful houses, balconies in other words, and um, just dream where their life could go. I feel like it's just like a really fun aesthetic way to pass your time. And this startup, unlike a lot of the other TikTok copycats out there, is trying to create a startup after an already existent habit versus trying to prove to me that this habit happens and we just haven't heard of it yeah. yet. Also, if you haven't lived in San Francisco, 600 square feet for two bedrooms may sound microscopic. It's not that bad. You know, it's, it's, there's worse things. I lived in a studio in SF that was like 350 square feet for like eight years. And my balcony was half of a fire escape that was rusting away. But that did mean that I could smoke in my apartment. So there you go. 
plus one I, minus one. I live in an apartment full of families. I just want to be that 20 something that just comes in, ruins the place. So I'm, I'm just going to continue to dream through apps, I guess. That's my life. But let's talk about India and, and some real estate places. Two startups caught your eyes. Also kind of right off the bat, Alex, I saw you rushing to the favorite stock in the first hour of presentations to, to list these two. Yeah. So Ivy Homes came up first in the in the rundown of companies. And its argument was, look, there isn't very good data on the Indian real estate market. That means it's very opaque. And my ears perked up because opaque data markets tend to lead to price arbitrage. And so if we're thinking about building a company in a space, where there's not a lot of data and you can bring more data to it. You can make it a lot more efficient and build a much better service. And what Ivy Homes is doing, it's kind of building an open door for India, and they want to go ahead and start you know, buying properties, and they've secured, if memory serves, a half-million-dollar credit facility to do that. So very cool. And I was like, ah, all right, neat. And then several hours later, Prop Returns came up, which is another company that was like, the Indian real estate data market is terrible. And I was like, wait a minute, I've heard this before. So it appears to be a problem space that startups are trying to apply technology to right now. And, um, you know, India is an enormous country with lots of people. It's, it's incredibly diverse with cultures and languages and so forth. And so it's an enormous TAM, as we like to say. So I was hyped about the idea. And, you know, frankly, we Zillow surf in the U.S. because there is a pretty reasonable real estate data infra to lean on. And I can see how that would be a big hit in India. So I still haven't been to India because the first time I tried to go, they didn't let me in. But I'm excited to go eventually and see how this is kind of playing out on the ground. I'll have my people call your people, Alex. <laughs> Actually, no, I, one, of my, one of my best friends is from Tamil Nadu. And I, I, I told him that when COVID's over, he has to take me home and show me around. I'm so excited about it. So I love that. And I want to add too, because one other India note, this batch, India led the geography outside the US that had the most companies within the cohort. It had 33 companies this batch, but in the winter it had 43 companies. So we actually saw it retract a little bit from India. I know 10 startups isn't everything, but when you're going international, those 10 startups obviously went other places. I think Singapore was one of the newer and bigger geographies I think we'll be seeing more of tomorrow. So two of those 33 companies being in the prop tech space, make your own assumptions. This is purely illustrative and just an exciting way to keep tabs of the market. I will add one more company in the India world. It's called Akudo. I don't know if this startup is going to be like the way fintech succeeds to serve teenagers in India, but I am impressed by them from the start focusing on education as a big part of its service, which is a neobank. So I just want to add that in. I think financial literacy is such a privilege and that's not a hot take. But I, I just don't see companies kind of doing that right off the get-go as much as I wish I did. I absolutely agree with that. And just to underscore the point about changing geographic representation in this particular cohort, our reporter, Tage did a great piece looking at the, the changing geographies of this YC batch. And he notes that the number of startups in Africa in this batch rose from 10 in the last to 15. So a 50% increase in African startups, which kind of mirrors what we're seeing in the larger VC world. There's a lot more venture capital going on there. And uh, it seems like each month now in the African startup ecosystem, I know it's, it's a whole continent, so it's a big bunch of countries together, but it seems to be setting kind of successive records. And so that's, I, I guess I'm not surprised to see YC paying attention to that and trying to get in early to a, you know, another generation of, of leading companies. Yeah. When I was talking to Index about their, I think, $3 billion fund a few weeks ago, they were saying, you know, they're usually based across Europe and the US. And they were saying, you know, definitely India is a focus, but Africa is where they're starting to slowly build up operations and they want to do so thoughtfully. And so there are definitely trend pieces to be written out, if not already being written by Tej, who I know is listening, about these sorts of new grassroots efforts to start supporting more African startups. It's like definitely a catch-up game. 
Yeah. You know, Tej and I cover earnings from Jumia every quarter. And I would love to have a lot more companies from Africa to write about their earnings reports. So let's hope these 15 do well. But scooting along, Natasha, I was enthralled, if I may, by Reframe. Because what it wants to do is bring technology to the substance abuse recovery world. Something very near and dear to my heart. And uh, as you might say, personal history. One thing that I discovered in rehab is that it is like going to the Stone Ages. You sit in a room that looks like a converted middle school in a circle of chairs, and then people are sad. And maybe that works for some folks. It was useful for me, but it's not the thing for everybody. And so what Reframe wants to do is, through an application, bring things like CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, journaling, mindfulness, progress tracking, and a lot of cool things to help people reduce their alcohol consumption or perhaps give it up altogether. Again, there's many paths to recovery. Many people need different things, but I love the idea of having something modern applied to this issue versus just reading the same book from the 1950s written by two very old white dudes who thought that women couldn't be alcoholics and that cigarettes weren't addictive. So maybe we can make some progress. And I love that it's they're viewing it as like a venture-backed solution, like go off. I think even going back to our conversation last week between Headspace acquiring Ginger and this idea of text-based mental health care being maybe the first step into someone who doesn't always need video-based therapy, professional therapy, maybe think a lot about different ways to get people into top of funnel when they're going through something in life. And I think Reframe, cute name again, that the names were on fire this batch. I think Reframe is like, oh, it it could, it needs to do more long-term, but this is a good place for it to start. I'm thinking about the top of funnel for Reframe. Is that like Budweiser (laughs) advertisement? Or is that like your local dive bar? Oh, no, I shouldn't be laughing. But I, no, no, I no, this is fine. I think the whole sector needs a lot of technological advancements. When I did dry January, the app, the only app I could find was you to go to a calendar every day and just say yes or no if you drink. And it just wasn't a very customer intertwined experience. It was just <laughs> a experience that I could take a screenshot at the end of a month to show how many days I didn't drink. And going with CBT therapy, which is its own rabbit hole, is probably a really important aspect of it. I think CBT is great. If you haven't done therapy, that doesn't mean anything to you. If you have, you probably have an opinion, but we need to move on to, I think we should talk about Sonic. So an AI copywriting tool that promises to generate marketing copy in seconds. And yes, this is based on GPT-3. And Natasha, you are making hand gestures. So please explain to me your emotional state and why this has you thinking. Okay, I'll first say like, we're just messing around. So please don't be offended anyone or be offended. I just think that at this point, YC is playing a game on us and there's always one startup per batch that is doing this exact thing and all of us consistently freak out about it and I'm like I want to bite the apple I've bitten the apple I am annoyed and this whole concept of AI powered writing that replaces the actual human in the process is just like the perfect way to get the press to be annoyed so that's my theory just wanted to share my two cents okay so yes to all of that but in more positive terms, the company just hit $36,000 in ARR, and it's 100% organic user acquisition, which is the startup equivalent of not being grown with pesticides, I believe. But here's the thing. GPT-3 is actually awesome. And I read about this a couple months ago because I started to play with some GPT-3 tools and, frankly, very impressed. And my take here is that it's not going to ever replace what it is that we do because reporting involves new information, and these algorithms are great at generative writing versus like reporting. But for folks who just need some help writing, gosh darn it, why not give it to them? And so if this can help you know, people in the marketing world you know, do more and do more quickly, I think that's fantastic and, I, and I'm totally here for it. So 
it's kind of a WTF. It's also kind of a, that's kind of cool. And so I think we'll have to see where this bears out. But I think we need to kind of wrap up. But Natasha, I will note that we have a rundown of every single company that presented on the record today coming to TechCrunch.com. And that's in front of the paywall. So do not worry. And then we have a list of our faves coming out as well. I believe Greg and Park is currently taking, I think, about 10,000 words from Google yeah. Docs and formatting and editing that into WordPress, which is evidence that he should get a Nobel Peace Prize. Or um, YC should make a startup for that exact process. That would be no, fantastic. That we is already have request. Greg. Why, <laughs> why would we you know, save him from the glory of every single six-month period having to endure the formatting <laughs> hell that is our YC document? But uh, worth noting that we will be back at this tomorrow. There will be another enormous dive of startups. We are going to press gang Danny into coming and having an opinion with us. And we might bring up some other TC staff as well. So stick around. We'll be back tomorrow with a lot more. In the meantime, I'm Alex. That's Natasha. This is Equity. Bye. Bye. Bye.